but I couldn't get the the intro song perfect. So I just oh, yeah. I, I threw together something that uh, I think encompasses the show nicely uh, for your enjoyment. So should we get started? <laughs> okay. <laughs> And Jesse. What was that? <laughs> Told you I couldn't come up with a new intro song, so I thought I'd just make it all about me. You just like who's singing that? So that's from an old cartoon called Fantastic Max. And it right. was uh my favorite cartoon as a kid. It was put in front of me like when I was in diapers and a toddler. So no wonder I'm such a fucking narcissist today <laughs> that I had that blaring at me for the four years of my early development. <laughs> Well, um, I didn't. I never had no car. Hello, this is Got Till Five. You're listening to um, the Got Till Five podcast with me, Jesse, and as you might have been able to tell from that opening song, Max, because it's all about Max. Fantastic, Max. I'll have you know, Max. Um, I ain't got no songs about me. We need to find a song that says Jesse in it, I tried. and we can make a medley out of the two, maybe, and that'll be our new intro. Yeah, but you were lazy, mate. You should have come to the source. <laughs> I know songs with the word Jesse in. What's, what's I your go-to? I didn't have any. Um, I didn't have it. Jesse's girl. You know that song? Yeah, I'm in love with Jesse's girl. It's a good song. Um, and it's about boy Jesse, which is rare, but there's bound to be others. You know what? I never watched any cartoons that had my own name in when I was a kid, but I was pretty sure I was Super Ted when I was a kid. So, like, that was my show that was me. And the reason I thought that is because my mum made me a Super Ted costume um, when I was little with out of her own fair hands. So it was like this red, um, red set, and she tried to do a star on the chest, which ended up looking like the Star of David. So I just looked like a little boy in an internment camp. <laughs> the boy in the striped pajamas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like I remember wearing it all proud, and then Mum's friend coming round and just going, "I didn't know your son was Jewish. <laughs> Why have you marked him?" Yeah, exactly. It's not on. But I was convinced. Anyway, um, hello. A, how are you? What a start to the show. Hello. Hello, I've had so much coffee today. Oh yeah, by the way, before we had the mics on. Yeah, Je- it, the reason Jesse's speaking so fast and so insane right now is because how many cups of coffee have you had? Uh, I had six, but it's from my big Descendants mug that is like American sort of double size, isn't it? I don't know how Huge. to describe its size. It's it's like two normal cups, so you could probably call it twelve. But it's been a hard day at work, and not it's been another. Actually, no, I'll save that for our new <laughs> special thing. Carry on. Oh my god, I said before we came on, this is going to be a fucking nightmare to control you t- this evening, so let's get the business out of the way first, and then we'll, we'll get into business, actual business. So first of all, I just want to do a quick plug. I've got a new podcast series debuting next week, which is which is great. It's called Are We There Yet? It's going to be so dull. It's so exciting. It's just me and no Jesse interrupting. It's not just me, I have people. I'm going to start my own podcast and battle you. I would love that. Can you publish it for me? Can you edit it? Can you put it together? So next week, we've got a new podcast coming out, part of the Got Till Five family called Are We There Yet? And it's all about the zeitgeist of what's going on at the moment. We've got cool interviews, cool guests, and lots of fun stuff. There's people that have been to prison. It's mad. <laughs> been to prison. <laughs> um, also, 
So we're doing a very special episode this evening, and I want to get into why we're doing a special episode, because if you listen to last week's, you know we had our sister podcast, daughter podcast, whatever you want to call them, Dead to Us podcast we're at this point. Podcast. They came on and we did top five Studio Ghibli movies, and then we, you know, we did our typical, we presented the, the poll to the people, and we said... What's the, who picked the best one? Was it us, Scott, till five, your loyal daddies who have entertained you for two and a half years? Or is it these new bitches who've come along and put their, oh, spirited away, the main choice? And who did you pick? Who did they pick, Jesse? They obviously picked the girls because you're all as commercial as them. Yeah, bloody sheep. So, vengeance is a cruel bitch, Nikki and Steph. I'm... Welcome to the Thunderdome. So we're... <laughs> How was that even me? I don't know. We're in it's it now. So threatening. I liked it. So we are going to do a video game episode. How'd you like them apples? Yes. Yeah, suck on your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to do video game. But but we're being fair. Like this is um, we are being fair. fair, but it's gentleman's fair because they did actually say they would never do this episode because neither of them owned this console or have any interest in the games that it made. Exactly. So really, this is the softest war in the history of podcast wars but we're doing top five dreamcast games uh dreamcast is a very near and dear console to mine and jesse's heart it's a very strong pillar like if we were going to talk about the four pillars of our friendship i'd say this is one of them yeah definitely so there's four so you reckon there's four pillars to our friendship that would be dreamcast wrestling pop punk what do you reckon our fourth pillar is sweet sweet nips (laughs) I like that you didn't, I could tell, like, you didn't know what was going to come out of your mouth until the last second there. I knew sweet was happening. <laughs> and after that, it was just, it was, uh, it was all up in the ether. But I don't know what our fourth one would be. Um, just general friendship. That's like, funny. no one makes me laugh more than you, Jesse. Aww. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, hey, before we, um, speaking of nips, before we get into the Dreamcast games, can we do our new item, which is um, has nothing to do with um, the Nikki's News Game Till 5 item? No, this is, a, this is a brand new concept that we've come up with for a segment, and we're going to call it Jesse's News. I've got a special drop for it, so here we go. Okay, Jesse, hit us with the news. <laughs> so, um, my news is um, anyone who plays Animal Crossing might be happy to hear that today I am the king of all nips. Yes. I am. So, anyone who plays knows that turnip prices change every day. You buy and sell turnips like the stock market. Minus 634 bells today. That's serious. And there's probably people listening to this that came to my island to sell their turnips because I was throwing Got Till 5 stuff at them, making them listen in exchange for it. So, hi, Animal Crossing people. And um, so I'm the turnip king, and the rest of you are dirty rascals or something. I felt like being I was part of a family, like a mafia family, because you came on this morning and, and you told everyone, and we had exclusive dibs to the first you prices, did. and then you opened up to the scum. I mean, yes. new listeners, hello. <laughs> They all came and they said, and I've been getting very generous tips from people. One bird left me 500,000 bells. That's, she must have had a lot of nips on her. 
as a tip. Yeah, she was dripping with nips. Dripping <laughs> with nips. <laughs> but also, you said some people are assholes, which uh, is what a thing for society. Yeah, like messaging me on Twitter, like, oh, well, you're not open anymore. Your dodo code's changed. Be quicker. Like, there's too many people on your island. And it's like, calm your shit. You need to remember who's in charge here. I am, as you said, the godfather, mafia, king of turnips. Exactly. For 24 hours. Yeah. How weird does this sound to people listening who don't play Animal Crossing, do you reckon? They think we've peaked and we've lost it. Yeah, probably. They were like, remember Uh, when they used to do wrestling? Oh, (laughs) Those were the days. Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, that's my (laughs) news piece. Um, that was Jesse's news, which is better than Nikki's news. Any Game Tour 5 listeners will be able to attest to that when you jump ship and exclusively listen to us. That's all we want. I, I was saying earlier, I think the reason I want a war so badly is because I've been reading that Nitro book on the WCW growth and war against WF, and now I just so want to be Bischoff. We should plug that, man, because uh, we're both reading that book at the moment, and the author's British, and it's legitimately a really, really good book. Have you got it nearby so we can tell the author's name? No, I don't. Oh, God. Give me a second. <laughs> He's running. But it is a fantastic book. It's pretty beefy. It's like 500 odd pages, but it literally charts the start of WCW from when Turner right. wanted to make it prime time up until when he, you know, all through the, the wars and the eventual failure of WCW. So if our wrestling lot are still listening, you got to get it. You've got to get it. It's a massive book. It's by Guy Evans. It's called Nitro, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW. It's a bit pricey. Um, it costs, I don't know how much you paid for it. I paid like 14 quid or something. Yeah, same. But it's worth it because it's massive and it's really well written and just tells you everything about um, WCW. So yeah, any wrestling fans, get it. Yeah. Even stuff like revenue streams and like marketing plans and shit. Like the depth Dude, of that book, man. For nerds like us, it's like perfect, right? I love all that shit. Love it, mate. Anyway, should we do a top five? Let's do it, Sega. I to love the number five. I thought we did that intro really speedily, but uh, I think we were just because I'm now copying you and speaking really fast to match your levels. But really, we've just spoken really quickly for 13 minutes. Yeah, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Sorry, everyone. Um, you shouldn't speak fast too. I can't help it right now, but like you, you I match it, your energy, though. I'm like, fucking, let's go. <laughs> you need to bring me down. Okay. Uh, so the Sega Dreamcast is a console. You all know. You're probably listening because you like the Sega Dreamcast. It only had a two year lifespan. Can you believe that? Heartbreaking. 99 to 2001 was the lifespan of the Dreamcast. It absolutely bombed. Um, which is a real shame because it's actually an amazing console. It just came out. It was weirdly slightly ahead of and slightly behind its time. Ooh, uh, would you agree with that? I'd say it was definitely ahead of its time. What's your argument for it being behind its time? Because it was running on CD discs, not DVD discs, yes. at a time when the PS2 was about to come out. And do you remember the biggest selling point? The reason the PS2 initially did so well is because it was a DVD player as well. Yeah. So people were like, do I buy a DVD player and another console or do I get a PS2 and have it all in one? And DVD players were fucking expensive back then as well. So it was like, yeah, just get a PS2. And the Dreamcast only came out like a year before the PS2. 
and or maybe two years, but people knew it was coming. So people were willing to wait for the DVD technology, even though the Dreamcast was ahead of its time in the sense of when it came out, you had never seen graphics like that on a console. That is a very good argument, actually, because you would wait because they were, as you say, fucking expensive. So very astute observation. But the Dreamcast also was the first to bring in like uh, internet connectivity and be able to play online with people talking, all that kind of stuff, back in 1999. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and you had like your little detachable memory card things where you could play with them. Yeah, they're cool. Um, What's going on? You'd have, so you'd put the memory card, which had a little screen in it, into your controller, which was quite novel, and um, you're playing it. And then if you look down at your little memory card while you're playing a game, it'll have a little picture of whatever game you're playing. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um... I used to run around with it pretending it was my little Digivice because I like Digimon. Oh, you were bullied yeah. a lot as a kid, weren't you? Yeah, lonely boy. Yeah, lonely boy. So the Dreamcast, absolutely revolutionary. Not a huge games backlog, though. Like, not a massive games library. Well, they only had two years. Well, I mean, it was two-year lifespan, but they only had, like, probably a year of game development, right? And then they knew it was on its way out, so they were like, fuck this. But yeah, I think you right. compare it to now, like the Switch is what two years old, and the stupid amount of titles on there. The, I think it's just Nintendo; they just put out so much shit. Just well, everything digital, they can. It's like you can buy on the eShop, right? You can download straight to console. They can throw out games with no expense of actually having to physically make the game, right? Whereas back then, everything had to be on a disc and in a big plastic case and put in a shop. Whereas now, you can just download the software. Very true, very true. Um, and they were beastie kind of little disc holders. The Dreamcast, uh, what do you call it, cases? Dreamcast cases, they weren't the little. dual cases. No, I've got them here. I've got my Dreamcast here. Do you want to hear a Dreamcast boot up so we can give all our listeners a wave of nostalgia? Please do. And this is authentic. I'm not dropping this yeah. in. Carry, carry the mic over. Oh, God, I nearly dragged the whole laptop off the table. It's like you're on a... <laughs> <laughs> like an on-set interview. <laughs> Right, you ready to hear this um, purring of the Dreamcast? Oh, <clears throat> lovely. That lovely sound. I should have had the telly on as well, so we could have heard the boom, 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 boom when it spells out Dreamcast. Dreamcast. But that's too much pressure. It is, but beautiful. So that what a is sound. the Dreamcast. It is a beautiful, beautiful sound. And we're going to talk about the top five or top six um, games that you could get on the Dreamcast. And you can still play these games. Like, a lot of them have kind of been ported onto other consoles, but uh, emulators exist as well, people. So get into the world of emulating, and you're in for a world of treat, because we're about to lay some sick knowledge on you about some fantastic video games. Steam's a good place to go. Apart from my number one, you can get um, both my picks of today on steam and that's well worth doing they're only like three quid yeah so treat yourself this weekend yeah lovely um the way this has to work so our number ones make sense is you have to go first with number five do you have to why do i have to go just just do it just do it Okay, I'm not even going to think about it. So, um, number one, I'm going to go with... Number actually, five. Number five, Jesus! We're going backwards. <laughs> uh, number five. We're meant to be showing that we're better than them, Jesse, and you're fucking it up. Oh, yeah, no, it's good. No, we're more um, energy. Like... <laughs> Cracked <what>? out squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> or you and me, oh. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not calling them cracked out squirrels. That would be really harsh. Um, so my number five is a little game called Jet Set Radio. Oh, now, yeah. um, I realised, looking at this list, that um, a massive element of the Dreamcast and the Dreamcast games, or certainly my picks, that no one really talks about is music. All Dreamcast games, all the really good ones, had amazing music behind it. And normally original music made just for the game. Mm. And this is definitely an example of it. The soundtrack of this game is on Spotify. Go to if you like Japanese crazy dance music and who doesn't. So it's, this is a game, Jesus. Um, this is a game um, about rollerblading graffiti artists. So you get to be a rollerblading graffiti artist. You skate around um, a place called Tokyo Toe um, and just spray shit up. And that's it, really. You get points on how quickly and well you do the spraying. You go around getting points by doing tricks. And it's lovely. Think Tony Hawk's, but with graffiti, basically. And um, it's cell shaded as well, you know, like Borderlands is nowadays. Um, that you being is modern, exciting. yeah, right. I know about new shit. How long did the first Borderlands come out? I've only just like become aware of it. <laughs> um, so, like games like Borderlands, the way they look, cell shaded and shit. Like Jet Set Radio started that man. And what's so good about that is it doesn't age a game. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it still looks good now because that style is still in vogue. So, even though this game came out in like '99. It just looks wicked. It's really, really good. It's true, and it doesn't hurt. Do you look like the main character as well? Oh, that's a nice thing to say. Why do I look like him? I don't know, he's um... ginger and bony. <laughs> bony. Do you bony. bony from, um, <laughs> from the trap door? <laughs> yeah. That little skull. I remember there's one bit when um, I was watching it. Oh, trapdoor! Americans would have a clue on it. A lot of English people won't. This was this was like a claymation show when we were kids. Yeah, um, about a monster who looked after other monsters, but there were always monsters coming out the trapdoor. He had a little mate called Bony who was just a skull, and he was all grumpy all the time. And there's this bit I was watching this episode, and for no like all this shit's going on, and then for no reason whatsoever, Bony just looks directly at the camera and goes, "I've got a headache." <laughs> that was it. And then they just moved on. <laughs> really weird um but anyway god bless um, you bony <laughs> bony I, oh, trap, trap door tattoo that's what i want okay, oh please do please do oh yeah that'd be really good um do you have a grog as what well? was his name grog hello burke anyway uh um, <laughs> the best so, voices yeah uh so yeah jet set radio japanese amazing music original music in fact i'm gonna get you to drop some jet set radio music in here is that okay <laughs> Look at the fun. Cool. So um, you probably just heard that. That was a little sample of a song called Let Mom Sleep, which is just an example of some of the amazing mental music in this game. All the music done by a guy called um, Hideki Naganuma, who... Um, <laughs> He's got a great cadence on his uh, on his name. <laughs> Hideki Naganuma. I say it like, um, like when um, the baboon in um, Lion King first sees Simba. <laughs> it makes me happy. Um, Naganuma. Um, so <laughs> he, made, he made like this amazing <laughs> DJ music for it, and um, it's fun. It's just the whole game has culture around it. It's nineties culture, it's which true. is my life. 
Yeah, that's really why it resonates with you so much. Uh, yeah, yeah you, you love this game. I really enjoy it as well. It was, uh, it was fantastic to play, but I, I never got as hooked as you did. I think I'm not, uh, not as well skilled with my, with my fingers because you and games like this and Tony Hawk and all of that kind of stuff, you're just a monster at. No one can I'm, touch you. I'm very gifted. Um, the only um, thumbs down I would give this game is there's no multiplayer, and it feels like a game that would have an excellent multiplayer. If you could just do a split-screen thing where two people were going around the same town and whoever got the most graffiti after the time limit or got the most points or whatever, that would be awesome. But there's no multiplayer function. Thumbs yeah, just down. take all, other the, than that, awesome. yeah, all the mini-games from Tony Hawk's and stuff and... I, I feel like Jet Set is the last holdout in the Dreamcast lineup of like, you know, those top games that you always hear people talk about, example, with us, uh, that hasn't been ported or redone or or moved onto another console properly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is on Steam. Um, you can play it that way. Um, but it's it's unplayable on a keyboard. You need a controller with it. Um, and I, it was on PS3. The, they released it digitally on the PS3 library, but they have never released it on the PS4 library, uh, which is a shame. But it's it's a game that'd be perfect for the Switch. We were talking about the Switch earlier. Yeah. It would be amazing on the Switch. Yeah, exactly. It it needs that kind of remake HD touch that a lot of Dreamcast games get. Bring it into the modern. Even do a new one if you want. I think the biggest issue why they don't re-release it nowadays is because of my boy Hideki Naganuma, who, um, <laughs> who has like I think he has licensing for all the songs. And um, I know there were some Jurassic Five songs um, in the original mm. game on the Dreamcast, which uh, there are issues with that nowadays. But fucking, I mean, you can't change all the music in Jetsa Radio because it wouldn't be the same. But you could just remove the J Five songs and stuff, even though it is good. Yeah, exactly, and and that's always a, a problem we face, but solid opener, Jesse, solid opener. Thanks, brother. Honestly, check it out, anyone who has. I've described it terribly, but anyone who doesn't know it, play it, because like so many of these Dreamcast games are just lost in time, and they're works of art. Yeah. Remember, the rule with Jesse is let him talk for a couple of minutes and then just go watch a YouTube video of gameplay, and it'll explain it better. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh doing. God, you just reminded me of something. Um, anyway, yeah, carry no, go on. talking. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a YouTube video up ready for my next pick. Oh, um, God. which is um, uh, yeah, you'll know when it comes. Anyway, what's your number <laughs> next? Um, my number next is Soul Calibur, the original yeah! bad boy of games. Now, the Dreamcast has very special memories for me as a young boy. It's pretty much. One of my first consoles, we had a PlayStation 1, but I didn't play it too much. Um, but my brother's friend, Tom, he always used to bring around his Dreamcast like every weekend. So we would just kind of sit and play and literally all the games we're going to talk about, we'd spend all night playing. And I always remember Soul Calibur as well was was the game that I ended up playing. And it's just fantastic. It's one of the original best console fighter games. Like everyone's like, oh, Mortal Kombat and all of this. But... With Soul Calibur, it was kind of a port done from the original, uh, whatchamacallum, the, the standy uppy game you play in machines. Yeah. Arcade, arcade. machines. That's yeah. the one. So it was ported over from there, and uh, it was kind of a launch title for the Dreamcast. And the, the version of this was kind of the first ever upgrade, because before they used to just port arcade console games just onto a disc but this was the first time they've ever upgraded it changed the graphics done that kind of stuff and you could move around with it and you could like fight it was mental it wasn't your typical kind of 
fight face and then just like punch kick punch kick it was it had so much more depth to it and yes i just remember spending hours getting my ass kicked and i remember I loved Vol- it. voldo was my guy so fun fact about voldo so for people who don't know voldo is a very overly sexual character <laughs> He wears like a furry codpiece. He rolls his shoulders back and he moves his <laughs> arms in a reverse 360 while thrusting his crotch forward um, while walking towards you to fight. And I can tell you, if I've learned anything from video games, that's how I fight if I'm ever in trouble in the street. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it worked. I usually piss myself or added effect as well. And it normally works because <laughs> people leave you alone. So the North American version of the game, they had to remove one of Voldo's suggestive cod pieces because it featured just this massive bull. Massive bull <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but the cod piece is present in the European and Japanese version because yay for liberalism. Yeah, um, and <laughs> they also added it back in in the Xbox 360 in North America. So uh, they got over themselves, luckily. Awesome. I have Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast out here. I do enjoy it. So, um, Voldo, uh, a good way to say, I've always thought of him as like, for any Tekken fans, he's like if Yoshimitsu had been touched by Daddy. <laughs> yep, accurate. <laughs> accurate. But that's a good character. And you know what else I love about Soul Calibur um, is they had, um, it was one of the first fighter games to have environmental damage. Yes. Blew so my you- mind when that first happened. Yeah, right? So, like, without even knowing it, you would, like, throw someone against something or whatever, and it would break something through something, and you'd be in a different fucking part of the level, and you didn't even know it existed. It's crazy. And I always get really... That game has now spoiled other fighting games that don't have that mechanic, because I'm constantly trying to throw people against walls, and if there's no mechanic like that, I'm just like, what's, what's the point? Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Tekken fan, but Tekken tried to bring it in um, after Soul Calibur did it so well, and Tekken did it really clumsily. It's really bad. It's something that they should have avoided, I think. Yeah, definitely. But you're right, it had the destructible areas, it included 3D backgrounds, they they upped the gameplay, they put in new modes, there was new costumes, you got extra characters. Like, this was really the first ever kind of upscaled game to be released on a console. Like, this had never been done before, to take something and make it better of the same title. Madness. Yeah, if anything, arcade ports were normally a big step down. Yeah, yeah, the quality was normally shit. So, absolutely fantastic game, personally. And I recommend anyone to try it, because I still think it holds up. Like, if you go and look at the graphic comparisons, and I think a lot of Dreamcast games hold up. Still. Like, with that kind of nostalgia feel to them, but you don't look at them and go, good God, what is this? Whereas, like, I could play original Xbox games and go, ooh, this is too clunky to play. Yeah, graphically they hold up really well. Uh, the thing that lets the Dreamcast down now, and I hope this doesn't ruin it for anyone who hasn't realised, they're suddenly like, oh shit, yeah, um, is um, the camera work on 3D games is pretty appalling on most Dreamcast games because you've only got the back triggers on the controller. You've got one trigger on the left and one trigger on the right to rotate the camera, and that's all they give you, really. Whereas, you th- think about games now, right? You have your um, an- your right analog stick, which normally controls a camera, and that is just brilliant, because you can do it any angle you want. But with the Dreamcast, you can only go left, only go right. You can't generally go up and down with, a- with it. It's not as good. Yeah, which is... Uh, I just learned a-, a fun fact about what they did with Soul Calibur in the sense of every aspect of the visuals was carefully crafted to operate at 60 frames per second while pushing the hardware. So it does like 1 million polygons per second in 1999. 
Yeah, there, it's insane. Sega were absolute kings. It's ridiculous how um, underrated they are with this console. Do you know, can you answer a question for me? Because you're a techie little bitch. Well, now I don't want to, but go on. You will. Um, so, whenever you start almost any game on a... <laughs> whenever you start. <laughs> Whatever you want. Whatever you need. Uh, so, um, whenever you start any game on a dream... I can't say it any other way, mate. Um, whenever you start any game on a Dreamcast, mm. um, before you start the game, it asks you if you want to play it in 50HZ, 60HZ, or do a little test. What does that mean? No other console does that. It's true. It's true. It's the... Um... Something to do with kind of the way the generator on your TV works. So um, on the old CRT monitors, they had a lot more of a coil inside of them. Right. Right. So, yes, well. so when you were kind of doing the operating speed, it's just how well it will run kind of from a frequency perspective on your TV. So the bet, so it, we, so were we in a period of sort of, transition in televisions basically the way televisions were made so yeah, some people yeah, would exactly. have older TVs that wouldn't be able to handle 60 hz yeah and yeah okay so right, you'd I'm kind of have it. like it, th- exactly that so the crt monitors would change take for example like your flat screen tv today would be like 120 so it'd be double what the old crts were right okay I, so it's I all think about you, yeah it's just refresh rate how quickly the image appears on the screen because I must have had a shitty old telly then, because I remember when you press the test, um, it would just show an image and it would be um, shit. It would be like jumping all over the place and not coping with it. So I'd have to play then play in 50 HZ. Exactly. Whereas now I'm all about the 60, baby. Yeah, just tr- treat us frames per second. It was just that way of saying frames per second. So Okay, thank you for teaching me. You're welcome, daddy. Yeah. So um, Soul Calibur is good. Is it my turn? Uh, yeah, but I'm going to give you some Dreamcast facts. I want to talk more about the Dreamcast as we go. As an actual console? Yeah, just because it needs a lot more kind of love to it. So the name of the console <laughs> when it Sorry, was... Sorry, I'm just... Hang on. I'm just looking at it now. It's got four controller ports. Yeah, man. Two on each that's, side. That's pretty ahead of its time as well. Yeah. Never had Carry four on. friends. No, I never, never even had one. I was moaning about the Jet Set Radio multiplayer. What am I going to do? Just let the other dude stand there? <laughs> Just you were both. I'm so cool. <laughs> so when the console was declared, it was called Katana, but was later changed yeah. to Dreamcast. How dope would that have been? I've got a Katana. Yeah, it's sort of cool, but outside of Japan, it didn't work. I like Dreamcast. Like it's They're just two nice words, aren't they? It's true. Casting dreams Dreamcast. into the world. Okay. I can give you a better one if that one didn't do it for you. Go on. Um, so just one year after its release, the Dreamcast had successfully outsold Nintendo. And in the same year, it also broke the record of the original PlayStation 1 by having more than 200,000 orders placed in advance. So it got off to a strong start. Strong start? I mean, the biggest downfall of... Um... Of the um, Dreamcast um, is actually um, the games that I know are both of our number one picks. Yes. Um, but, we'll, but, we'll, but we'll get to that. Ruined them. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, but yes, now it's your turn. Number three. Okay. Can I throw another fact your way? Yeah, please do. On? I just thought of it as well. I'm just riffing, guy. I don't even have this stuff like prepared. Um, so did you know that in America, the Dreamcast logo is red? You know, the swirly, the swirly red thing? Yeah. And over here, it's blue. 
um, the reason that ours is blue and theirs is red is because there's a German company, can't remember what they do, who basically have the exact same logo in red. Uh, so, yeah, because so the they compete Europe. Europe, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so they were like, "Oh shit!" So they changed the color. So we we associate that blue swirl with Dreamcast, but everywhere else, all other everywhere out of Europe, um, they see it as red, which is completely different. Like it's not that different, but it is sort of like the color m- m- means a lot, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. imagine, um, like I don't know, Xbox. You just you you see green in your head, right? Their yeah. branding is green, and imagine like if in one country it was randomly red or whatever, it would completely change the vibe of the console. Wouldn't be cool, man. Wouldn't be cool. Mm. Ugh, sorry, I was my mouth was full of Fanta fruit twist. Jesus juice. That's it. Um. So yeah, my turn is it? Yes. Cool. Um. So my next one is um. You know, you can't have a Sega console without having a Sonic game, right? There were two incredible Sonic games made on the Sega Dreamcast, but the one that wins is Sonic Adventure Two. Mm-hmm. Now, um. This game, uh, so Sonic Adventure was the first proper attempt at a 3D Sonic game, <coughs> and it was, um, and it was sort of made as a half RPG almost, with mixed in with classic Sonic levels, um, but 3D. And then because you had like adventure fields and shit, which was really cool, and it was a great game. But then Sonic Adventure Two improved on everything massively. Um, the levels were awesome. Um, here's your little fact. This is the first Sonic game where Dr. Robotnik, um, now known as Eggman, was a playable character. Oh. And also, um, just th- the levels were great. They made, they kept the speed of the Mega Drive games on the levels, which is awesome. And I think the best person to sum it up is this video on YouTube. Um, well, there it is. Which is called um, Sonic Avenishatu. And it's a man playing Sonic Adventure 2. And he sounds like he's enjoying it this is um a video that i found years ago and i just like playing it oh my god oh my god oh my god yes yes oh my god we are playing this baby yeah yeah wow we are So I, that man is I can is never very mock happy. because I've never had happiness like that. I don't know, you can't even begin to mock. Uh, that's just a man on YouTube playing Sonic Adventure 2 for the first time. And if that's not a sort of endorsement of how amazing that game is, I don't know what is. That's how we all felt when we first played this game as Sonic fans. That music is probably like if I have to have funeral music, I'd have that. Ah, oh, more amazing music, Burning right? So more, at the at the speed of sound. So more amazing music. That, that was done by a Japanese band called Crush 40, who are kind of a pop rock, pop punky sort of band. Um, they did most of the music. They did, some, not them, but Sega did some wicked hip hop tunes as well that's in there. Um, there's mad. So, so like you play at a level with Knuckles called Pumpkin Island, right? Uh, no, it's called Pumpkin Hill, sorry. And um, and then like this hip-hop beat would start, and then it'd be like, yo, you're here with Knuckles, and we're in Pumpkin Hill. You ready? And it's like, that's cool. It's like, okay, I know who I am, but I know where I am. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Need that every day um, when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> exactly. You're in Brighton, baby. 
go to work. So it's <laughs> you're in lockdown, bitch. So um, it's yeah, it's great. The music's awesome. The characters are awesome. And again, like Sonic has always had this sort of cheesy um, appeals to a certain type of socially awkward person thing around it. But I've always liked it. I think it's the bright primary colours. <laughs> yeah, you never you never venture outside red or blue or yellow. It's just very safe. Yeah, There's never any mixing going on. No. Can you drop um, a bit of Sonic music in? I'm trying to think a good song for it. Um, you could do... Um, what's a good one? City Escape is quite nice, isn't it? But we just sort of heard that with the thing. Um, drop in... The Eggman song. Eggman has his own theme, and it goes, because I'm the Eggman, that's what I am. I'm the Eggman. It's good stuff. Right, you send me these and it's going to happen. All right, baby, I'll do it. Love it. Um, I've not really played this. I, I, well, you know me, I'm not, I was never a massive Sonic kid or a Sonic head going on. Um, but I always remember the Sonic did, generation. Did you, Go on. How, if you weren't a Sonic fan, who did you imagine was running next to you when you were a little boy in the car going down the motorway? Oh, more of that bullying again. ever imagine a little character running along with you when no. you were in the back of a car no. oh man you should try it with sonic it's really good because he's like <laughs> running along he's running along next to you and like say he's running on like the um what do you call it like the bollard bits either side of a motorway Area. and then he's, yeah and then he's jumping over them and jumping on bonnets of cars and stuff and go like because of how Sonic moves, it can be really good for your imagination. Now I've understood why you've never wanted to learn to drive, because then you would ruin this for yourself. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that, right? You would, you'd just die very quickly. <laughs> Sonic, I'll follow you. Sonic Adventure 2, bitch! <laughs> but yeah, so I've never really played much of the Sonic games. I played, I remember some of these, I've played them around your house, and I remember some of these levels when they port them to like Sonic, uh, generations and stuff like running around. I remember that clear as day. Uh, skating down the cool hill, the San Francisco style. Yeah, boy. Oh, I love it. That's like one of my favorite things in video games ever. It was awesome. And this game also introduced a character called Shadow, which I think is sort of he's quite well known in the Sonic universe now as the evil sort of black Sonic, which is a bit racist. And, um, uh, but he, um, he got overused because he actually spoiler alert he dies at the end of this game but he was such yeah but he was such a popular um character they brought him back for other stuff but i wish they hadn't i wish they just had him in this game and he died at the end and he dies having redeemed himself he dies like being a good guy and it's like yeah that's nice that's good so don't bring him back just pretend that he's only in this game and it's quite a poetic story also you just reminded me um so there's a story mode you get so you get hero and dark right so there's good guys and bad guys you can be both they both got their own story you finish it and then you find out that dr robotnik's um uncle was a madman <laughs> madman yeah so this is a bear in mind this is a kid's game right um so he finds this old video from years back so his uh, robotnik's uncle is long dead um but he went to space with his um, with his granddaughter called Maria, and Maria ends up dying, and so um, 
Uncle Robotnik is not happy about that. And listen to this. This is in a kid's game. And this is when they uncover um, Uncle Robotnik's master plan. I plan to give you a taste of my revenge once all the seven Chaos Emeralds are collected. Once I initiate this program, it cannot be disabled. All of you ungrateful humans who took everything away from me will feel my loss and despair. Pretty dark, right? Pretty sad as well. Yeah, so, and the visual of that is Uncle Robotnik in a straitjacket. Just sitting there with his head down, just saying all that. No, as a child, that traumatised me. Really? I was like 10 when this game came out, brother. Ah, yes, that explains it. Yeah. You've got mental issues. I have, and it's Sonic's fault. Well, it's Robotnik's uncle's fault, really. It's always an uncle. <laughs> they always give you the mental issues. <laughs> Fucking Uncle Daddies. <laughs> uncle Daddies. I can, I can send you that video. You can tidy it up, maybe, because I'm aware that it probably sounded a bit shit. Don't me. You know what's going on. You know what's going on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lovely. Um, yeah, Sonic is a fantastic choice, and I think people forget about his stint on the Dreamcast and everything that went on there. 3D Sonic games are almost mocked by people, sort of say, oh, why don't they go back? And that's why Sonic Mania did so well, right? And then people are like, oh, why don't they go back to 2D and all this? But people who say that completely forget about the Dreamcast games, and, and obviously they're going to make more 3D Sonic games, because they want to recapture that Dreamcast magic. Exactly. And that's what we want. Lovely. On to my number two. But before I get there, let's talk about the hardware of the Dreamcast, Jesse. Let's do it, Max. Let's talk about like, how good it was. So it had a built-in 56k modem for connecting to the internet and playing online in 1999, bitches. It was also the first console which allowed real-time online play features. And it was the only game console that allowed the facility to surf the internet and even send emails. And another crazy fact of its uh, hardware capabilities, it had a VGA cable. So um, this came with the console. I had no idea how or why you needed it as a kid, but it came with a VGA cable. For those who don't know, mainly Jesse, they're the blue cables with like the nine pins that you can connect to your old computers. Oh, yeah. So you could connect your Dreamcast to your computer. That's good. I'd yeah. See, I didn't know this. I never did any of this when I was a kid. I just played Sonic and... Jet set radio. Yeah. You could probably get a faster connection. So if you like VGA'd it to your um computer and then put like your hard line in, you probably get a quicker internet speed. But insane, right? That they were able to kind of put that capabilities into a console twenty one years ago. It is mental. And then you know that wasn't really heart? seen until PS3, that kind of era, Xbox three sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were ahead of the curve, brother. Um, do you know what makes me sad? Um, another thing that um, was an issue with the Dreamcasts is after a certain amount of time, Dreamcasts would um, just reset themselves automatically and start doing it like really regularly. And obviously that makes things unplayable. So I sold and bought probably three Dreamcasts that started doing that when I was a kid. And it's not until the last couple of years I YouTubed it. Turns out the reason it does that is because of a buildup of dust in the fan. All you need to do is unscrew it, give it a blow. It's good as gold. Really? Yeah, three Dreamcasts. That's that's upsetting. Right? Sorry about that. That's all right. Well, waste of money. <laughs> Still better to this day. Uh. Uh. Okay. Uh, let me cheer you up with my number two pick. 
Please do. If that'll help. So coming in at number two, hey, 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 it's time for some crazy taxi. Pretty good, right? <laughs> no. Pretty great. That was, that was awful. Pretty so great. What you, I, I don't know if you want to drop in the actual one yeah, after that, so everyone will. knows how bad I'll it was. I'll put it over my one, yeah. <laughs> Just pretend it was you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this game was brilliant. Although, um, I, why? Tell me why, Max. Well, why, Max? Why? All you did... <laughs> Was you were a taxi driver and you just picked up random people who wanted to walk, be dropped off a distance that they could walk. Didn't make any sense. So this was uh, the original version of this uh, Dreamcast game was one of the best selling Saint best selling games. <laughs> Fuck it out. Best selling game. I'll do that again. This was one of the best selling games for the console. It was the second largest selling Dreamcast game in the US, selling nearly seven hundred and fifty thousand units, and it's the third best selling Dreamcast game in the US with over a million units sold. Um, it's a fantastic game. Another arcade port. So it originally started as a as an arcade arcade game, and then they moved it over to the console version in early two thousand, and it was. Again, expanded on much like Soul Calibur was previously, where you'd have different versions and bigger maps. And it was the first, one of the first maps designed where you could kind of get lost and you had to learn what was going on and where you had to be, uh, which was a very cool uh, feature that it had. And it was just uh, a really fun game in the sense of you had to pick up passengers and there was like tiers of how much money you'd make. So there was easy ones, medium and then hard ones. And you just drove with the most insane driving mechanics known to man, where a car should not work like that. Think GTA 4, but shitter. And it had really fucking good music, like just punk rock and aggressive music screaming as you drove down the San Francisco hills. They had a song by The Offspring and they had a song by Bad Religion. Oh, beautiful stuff. Completely, um, like what we pat between this game and like Tony Hawk's and things like that, the soundtracks of that did more to for music to me than like the Beatles or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It, it influenced us heavily. Yes. Heavily. And it was um just and also this was another one where they took uh, full capabilities of the Dreamcast strength. So when they ported it to home consoles, it was only made uh, difficult due to the limited internal memory size of the Dreamcast. But uh, it was capable of maintaining 60 frames per second throughout gameplay. That's why it still looks so crisp and clean when you play it, even on a Dreamcast today. It does. And um, the only thing... So I do like it, but it only has um, like two levels. Yes, um, but it, it's all about the challenge, Jesse. It's the internal challenges you set for yourself. Whether you can be better, whether you can get the most money. I played this game for hours and hours and hours, just like trying to be better at like driving and just getting you know more money and everything I possibly could. And then, do you remember when we played in later years? We got we played the port version with the challenges. Yeah, that was really hard because, like, there, it turns out I never knew this when I was a kid. There was like a way to do a super accelerate where you have to sort of put it in reverse and then quickly put it into gear, and you have to time it. But it's really fucking hard. Yeah, and you can shoot off, and oh, the challenge is just impossible. And I just love the people you pick up and the destinations they want to go to. Like, you pick up a vicar and he wants to go to the chicken place, and it just doesn't make sense in terms of logic. But I can pretty much, you know how. Sherlock Holmes has his, like his mind palace. Yes, I have the crazy taxi map. <laughs> I just, just in your I so just like Sherlock it. Holmes is you know Sherlock Holmes has the homeless network. Yeah, 
yeah, your homeless network is crazy taxi, like those circles that are green, yellow, or red, depending on how much the fare is. Yeah, I could drive you around right now. I could take you down the main street, I could take a left, we can get to the airport, I could take you to the ferry, wherever you need to go. I'm actually like a taxi driver. Nice. Black cat. I remember cursing the name of anyone that wanted to go to the police station because it was oh. over the highway. Nightmare, right? What the fuck are you doing going over the fucking highway? I would just park and wait for the time to run out. <laughs> Of aggressive arcade play. Um, who, was the... your, who was your favourite character? Oh shit. Um... There was Axel with the green hair. Yeah. yeah. There was BD Joe, the black guy. I was um, normally BD Joe. Were you? I was always Gus, the middle aged yeah. gambling dude. Gus was fantastic. Yeah. I can't remember the bird's name because I'm a sexist pig. <laughs> As demonstrated by the term bird. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> And it was uh, also the way um, when you'd pick up fares and if you like fucked up and stuff or you were late, they'd just start yelling at you and they'd just give you shit. But they didn't mind if you did a 20 foot jump over the highway. They were like, yeah, for it. fuck on, have $5. <laughs> I liked it when if you'd done a good job and delivered them um, on time. They'd be like, they'd be so psyched. They do like a front flip out of the car. Right. <laughs> so Even like the 70 year old Vickers. That. Yeah, like, yeah, fuck yeah, I got here early. Uh, <laughs> it's when you put these games in real life situations, you realise how ridiculous they are. It's like, yeah, it's like, I'm 90 minutes ahead of schedule. Pow, pow! You could also, like, go underwater, like, there was a shortcut from the harbour, um, where you just drive under the water, and the guy's like, yeah, getting a shortcut, I can't breathe. But I'm there, were a shortcut. There, were, there were customers underwater for you to pick up. What were they doing? They were just they had scuba masks on. To be fair, they weren't mental. <laughs> they were waiting there just to be collected. And I picked them up. Don't get yeah, me wrong. I picked, oh god, yeah, I picked them up on the other level that had like the pier and all that shit. It was brilliant. Yeah. What about Crazy Taxi Two? Were you ever ever in I that? I never played it. No, me neither. Mm. Number one was enough for me. Yeah. So um, I don't know. People never talk about Crazy Taxi 2. So also going back to my earlier pick, there's a Jet Set Radio Future, which is a sequel, which only came out on the Xbox, which I've never played because it's only on the Xbox and I never owned an Xbox. And so never played it. And I'm desperate to play it because it's a sequel to one of my favourite games ever. And I don't know why I never got around to Crazy Taxi 2 either. I'm just checking now and the reviews are like, um, if you like the original and who wouldn't, there's not much else. uh, There's just as much here to like. Favourable, you know, 8, 9 out of 10 for for this. It's got modified soundtrack with The Offspring and Methods of Mayhem. And yeah, you got scoreboards and shit, unlockable items, maps. What are we doing? But, well, like Jet Set Radio Future, I've never seen Crazy Taxi 2 on Steam or on any other sort of eShop or anything like that. So maybe there's a legal reason why it's just never around anymore. Uh, maybe, maybe. I'll try and find it. Let's try and find it on eBay because I've still got my Dreamcast. We can play it, baby. <laughs> we can do it, man. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> sound like such an addict at the moment. <laughs> but Crazy Taxi is great. And I, I feel like people look at it and they go, oh, it doesn't have much playability in it. And it can get, oh, it doesn't. You can <laughs> seriously, like you have no idea how many Sundays yeah. I wasted just like, driving around as a taxi driver. Yeah, it's brilliant. It was sort of setting you up for your miserable life in many ways. I'm not a taxi driver, Jesse. I know, but you should be. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but that's uh, that's my number two. I, I the problem with this episode, Jesse, is, is I don't own a Dreamcast. I haven't owned a Dreamcast since I was a kid, and we've been talking about frivolous spending recently. And I'm a couple oh, of dear. beers in. 
Go for it, man. They're only like 45 quid on eBay or something. They're not much. Might be making a little trip to eBay after this conversation. You should definitely do it. Because there's nothing... Like, ports are great. Don't get me wrong. Ports are fantastic. But there's nothing like that oh, word that Jesse did. Holding that beefy controller. It's beefy. Well. Oh, man. It, you're right. And now I, we know how to clean the fans out as well. So you don't have to worry about that. Very it's, true. It's lovely. Although I have to say that um, it's very hard to find a pure white Dreamcast nowadays. Mine is yellow. Yeah, a lot of people were uh, smokers, weren't they? Yeah, they do not. Um, they're the big, the pure white of the Dreamcast does not age well. It's very difficult. Although there are a few black ones out there, but they're um, they look awesome, but they're quite expensive because they were quite rare, I think. Yeah, very true. Uh, shall I lay some facts on before we get to <clears throat> number ones? Smack me with your facts. Bitch. <laughs> so this was the first ever games console to have motion controllers. You talk about how crazy really? Nintendo's was with nun- nunchucks and stuff, but they had the old fishing rods. You remember them and the, like the guns oh, and yeah. stuff? Yeah, they had motion controllers. Time crisis, baby. Yeah, you could play that with an actual gun and shit, and point and move. And point and move. And point and move. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. And fishing. There is a game. So it's an honourable mention, let's say, because it's not on either of our lists. But there is a game called Sega Bass Fishing, which sounds like the most boring thing in the world. But when you're playing with a um, fishing rod controller, it's intense. <laughs> you properly get into it. But... <laughs> you really do. I'm like that. I'm there with my waders on, <laughs> like going, up, going into the water. <laughs> Jesse, what are you doing today? I think my outfit tells you. Tugging away, tugging away at this fish. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said fish, <laughs> um, but it's uh, yeah groundbreaking. And I saw that uh, the old Nintendo Switch have released a version where you put your nun- your nunchucks, whatever they're calling them, your motion controllers in uh, in a very similar style. So just stealing ideas again. Yeah, and it was um, at the time of release. It was the only games console that had a hit game on every genre. So they hit like action, fighting, sport. They had a hit game on every single one. Yeah, you're right, actually. Even, um, like, Choo Choo Rocket, which is this yeah. sort of um, puzzler game, was a massive hit. I think it was mainly a massive hit because it came free. Like, it was the bundle you'd buy. You would get Choo Choo Rocket with yeah, it. Yeah, everyone had it. It's like gold, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's still rad. Yeah, exactly. And apparently the Xbox console, the original one, was inspired from Sega Dreamcast for all of its good ideas. Like, obviously, take what works. And when it was first released, it came at a price of $199.99. So for $200, you could own a, a new console. That seems baffling now. I'd spat that, that no. in a second. Was that was that cheap back then? I d- or... Probably not. That was probably like what we're spending £500 worth of now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, oh man, it's such a good console. Makes such a sad. good console. Oh, yeah. My, my facts are just bringing right. everyone down about what we could have had if the next choices hadn't ruined it. Sega with the Kings. Yeah, but uh, it's now number one time, Jesse. Okay, so I'll hit you with my number one, and I know what your number one is, and it's going to be an interesting little battle. So um, you would be remiss um, to not talk about this game, um, or its sequel indeed, um, for when talking about the Sega Dreamcast. Um, This is a game called Shenmue. Japanese game. Um, in fact, can you play the Shenmue music at this point? I'm making you do a lot of work. This you week. really are. Can you remind me of all of this? Yeah, yeah. So uh, here, I want you to play the. 
So for anyone who don't know, um, Shenmue is a game where you play a 18-year-old little Japanese boy. He's not little, he's built, he does martial arts. And Japanese stuff. boy. Um, Japanese yet little man. He's the man, sugar. And um, the game starts with your dad getting fucking murdered by a Chinese guy. Yep. Um, Prejudice from the get-go. Yep, in your dojo, in your house. And you're like, shit, my dad's dead. And so you think, who's this guy that killed my dad? Need to find out. And that's it. That's way, it's basically a point and click, but way more immersive because you're actually walking around as Ryu, like in your town. And yes, you're trying to find out who killed your dad. But before you know it, you're making friends with people. You're getting a job. <laughs> you're in an arcade, like playing games. You're getting pocket money from the housemate. Who is Ine-san? So she's, she lives at your house. She's an old lady, but she's not your mum. I don't think she's your stepmum. She's sort of just at the hired help, right? Do you think, like, remember we talked on the last episode about My Neighbor Totoro, and there's that uh, lady who's like, call me granny, and she just helps out around the house. I reckon that's Ine-san. Yeah, she's just one of them. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but she, I've never considered the possibility that she's your stepmom before, but I suppose they never say she's not, do they? So maybe she was... She's too the... old for him. You reckon? Yeah, you're right. He's actually. a beef. He's a beefcake. Um... Yeah, but anyway, so you're walking around, and before you realise it, the the banality of this game is completely addicting, right? Like mm-hmm. you're just you don't want to find out who killed your dad or where to find him because you just don't want the journey to end. You're just quite enjoying going to work every day, driving a forklift, just wandering around, chatting. There was a point in my life, right, where I was driving a forklift for my actual job. And I was spending all day <laughs> driving a forklift. <laughs> and I'd get home and I'd be like, oh, time to unwind. I've been driving a forklift all day. I'd whack Shenmue on it and just carry on driving <laughs> a forklift. <laughs> but it's different because I'm in Japan. And you could race um, them. Yeah, exactly. You could race them. And you collect capsule toys, which is awesome. And that's actually probably started an addiction of mine. To this day, I have to collect little toys and stuff. And I buy all sorts of tat like that. That's just my life. And I blame Shenmue for it because that's where it all started. But it's just, the game is so beautifully made. It looks amazing for 1999 standards. You can, the beauty of it, right? You go into like your house or whatever. And not only are you looking around your house, you can open every single drawer. You can open every single cupboard, look in it. There's stuff knocking about. Um, they put fighting in it, but it's quite clunky, to be honest. And it's far from the most important element of the game. And you rarely it's... do it, in all honesty. Like, yes, it's a fighting game, but how many yeah. big fights do you actually have which aren't outside of training? Exactly. It's completely meditative, this game. It's just nice you're living you're kind of living just a really normal life in this little japanese town where everybody knows your name and um just it's lovely and also you cannot talk about this game without talking about the voice acting which is in my opinion the greatest and worst voice acting you have ever heard in your life so the english dubs i think it was it must have just been bad they must have run out of money right like it's bad translation (laughs) from Japanese to English, where the sentences aren't particularly grammatically correct. And they've just got these Americans in to just say the lines. And they've obviously just read them once and left with with no context. Like the actors haven't been given any context of what's going on when they're saying these lines. And they just sound ridiculous. Yeah, completely. Um, I think the best example of that for me is Tom. Yes, there's a Jamaican character called Tom who sounds like a Geordie. <laughs> 
He sounds like he's from Newcastle. Hey, Rio. What's happening, hey. man? Hey, Rio, man. Why, I? <laughs> then he headbutts you. <laughs> Uh, and it, a, a meme of this game is also the sailors. Can we talk about the sailors? We can. Jesse's nickname on this episode is always on the lookout for sailors because of this very moment. I am. So um, in Shenmue, um, the first game, there's a very... It's too long, really. Um, you're um, looking for sailors because you find out that sailors work at the port, which um, deal in Chinese ships. So you're like, oh, okay. So Chinese guy killed my dad. Chinese... China is pretty small, right? So we just China. need to find um, China. So we just need to find um, some Chinese sailors. So that just means that there's an 18 year old boy walking around town asking everyone if they know where sailors hang out. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it's just it's just quite funny um, that he just asks everyone where sailors are, and no one looks at him weird for quite a while. Yeah. I- I do enjoy the sailor bit, but I enjoy him asking for Chinese people because there's like the um, was he looking for? It's the four. Uh, he's looking for something Chinese related. My mind's gone blank. I don't know. While you're thinking, can I play you um, the? Um, so everyone uh, like answers with a straight face about the sailors, and there's only one person in Shenmue who seems to have a certain layer of. Um, I mean, he clearly doesn't because everyone in Shenmue is autistic. But um, this guy's at the Funny Bear Burgers. Do you remember the guy who works at Funny Bear Burgers? Yes. Yes. So you ask him about sailors and this is what he has to say about them. Um, hi, what can I get for you? Do you know of a place where sailors hang out? Sailors? I see them at night. We close at eight. But I often see them from just before that. I see. All of the sailors are big, you know. You'll know who they are just by looking. Where do they hang out? I would say they hang out at bars or some places like that. Thanks. Brilliant, right? Great example of voice acting, by the way. Yeah, brilliant voice acting. And I love that he, like, the first description he thinks of is they're big. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, so I can't... the whole game is like that. And before you know it, like, it starts, and you're like, this voice acting is terrible. This is ridiculous. But before you know it, you're almost hypnotised by it, right? And it just becomes the norm. I think that's it. It's the rhythmic, rhythmic nature of the way they talk. I see. It just kind of brainwashes you. Like, I can't remember what he's looking for, but I love that he's looking for the sailors. But my favourite, he's trying to find uh, some Chinese people. But he doesn't say Chinese people. He goes to people, he's like, I'm looking for some Chinese. <laughs> and then people, like, even react really, like, what do you mean you want to find some Chinese? Or they're just like, nope, never send them. Like, never send them, ever. That's how they react to it. Yeah, they live like right next to the harbour as well, which does deal with a lot of Chinese ships. There's no way that they haven't seen any Chinese people. Exactly. Complete bullshit. Complete bullshit. You know, talking about, talking about the way these people talk, uh, um, I, this, <laughs> this doesn't like, offend anyone, but there's a um, Louis Theroux documentary all about autistic kids. And uh, there's a bit when all the autistic kids, um, he goes to like the special school where they all are and they're all chatting to each other. And it sounds like a scene from Shenmue. They're talking in the exact same way. Amazing. And that's what makes me think, you're being too silent. That's what makes me think about, um, that's what makes me think about um, Shenmue when I hear that. I'm just phoning up charities to no- donate to <laughs> But it's and also there's like cutscenes that you can't access unless you do certain stuff. Like that was never a thing in video games ever. 
that like you could meet some girls that would stab you in the corner or you could do duck racing. Yes, this <laughs> is all things that happen legitimately. Yeah. I have played like hundreds and hours hundreds of hours of Shenmue and even now I bet there's at least one scene that I've yet to see or discover. I like stumble across stuff on YouTube all the time that I never ever accessed when I was playing it. I've never duck raced. I've never been able to do it. I'd done it once, but it um but I needed a lot of internet help to do all the very specific things that you would never do by chance to access it. Because we tried, um, when they did the remastered version of these on PlayStation, we tried to platinum it. And some of the achievements, like, there was bits I'd never even done before, like helping the old woman find the house, but you had to be there on a certain day at a certain time and, yeah. like, find her in a certain way just to show her where this house was. Mental. But that's a stupid, that's a stupid little mission, right? Because it is. She she's looking for um, Yamato. I even remember the name of the house. She's looking for the Yamato family's house. And she's all old and she can't read properly. So she can't see, like everyone's got, in Japan apparently everyone puts their surname on their door instead of a house number. And um, you're looking, what are you doing? You're spanking yourself. Clicking my fingers. Was that really loud? (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Um, So you're finding the Yamato house. But guess what? I know Ryo has lived there his whole life, but we're controlling Ryo. And this is the first time we've ever fucking been there as well. So we're just (laughs) as lost as that woman. We don't actually know our way around, so we just have to look at every single house until we find the right one. She could have done that. Yeah, and and it was the last one at the very end. Of course it fucking was. Motherfuckers. Drives me crazy. And also the map is quite huge as well. Like, number two is is bigger, but number one, for what it was at the time, pretty big. It's a full-on town. Yeah, exactly. And you can also go to, like, different areas and the Tomato Mart. Let's talk about how good the music is in the Tomato Mart. Oh, that's weirdly like comforting, isn't it? Yeah, that's nice. You could also um, practice martial arts in a nearby play park whilst kids were swinging on the swing, which seems um, irresponsible to me. Nah, it's just the Japanese way, my son. Yeah, just accidentally roundhouse kick a kid off a swing. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's love interests. Well, as much of a love interest as Ryo can get. Yeah, so there's a girl called Nozomi in the game who wears a turtleneck white jumper. And, um, like, uh, what's the colour called of kilts? Tartan. Uh, and, like, a tartan skirt. Um, and she's, you know, she's fit, but um, she's she's as socially awkward as everyone else in the game. And just watching them attempt to interact or show any romance to each other is amazing. Oh, that's beautiful. Did you ever do, like, the phone shortcuts where you could, like, phone her? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you, you had some quite heartfelt conversations, actually. You did. Oh, it's just ridiculous level of game. And you had certain hours, uh, like you had a full day to play, uh, but you'd have until, what was it, nine o'clock at night until you had to be home? No, you weren't that much of a square. It was 10.30. 10.30, yeah. But, <laughs> I'm trying to avenge my dad's death. God, Enix, um, get off my back. <laughs> you got to come to bed, but the case will be cold. You know what? You, do you remember there's a bit in the game so when... Um, you're earning money through your job and it's all going well and um you're saving up to buy a plane ticket to go to china to um go to china as we've established avenge your father's death um but there's a bit of the game where it's like in there for storyline purposes where you get a bill and the bill sucks loads of your money out and it does that on purpose so that you can never make enough money to actually get the plane ticket because the story goes a different direction but I was so addicted to capsule toys that I got the bill and my money actually went up <laughs> because I was so stint <laughs> from buying so many. I showed you. 
<laughs> so I didn't understand it when I was a kid. I just like got a letter with all these numbers on it. And then Rio goes, oh, no, this is expensive. And then I got more money than I had before. <laughs> and that's why Jesse's now <laughs> terrible with money. Exactly. If I spend it all, I'll just go bankrupt and someone will give me more. The council pays me, right? <laughs> and one of the creepiest characters, Chai, um, who you first have a fight with in the arcade. And the arcade is fantastic. You just get to play mini games as much as you want. Oh, like you can literally spend your whole time playing mini games. But they're not mini games. They are um, the two big games. I mean, there's darts and stuff, which is mini games, which is awesome. I got weirdly good at darts. I knew the exact wrist flick to get a um, to get 180. Um, but um, Space Harrier is in there. And um, what's the motorbike game called? Can't remember, oh, but they man, were legit the, games. Uh, the motorbike game, whatever that's called as well. I played the yeah, they're legit one. games made by Yu Suzuki, who made um, After, Afterburn or something. Is the um... but yeah, he made Virtual Fighter, he made Space Harrier, um, Yu Suzuki made all these games. Then randomly, like these arcade sort of two D games, and then he's like, I'm going to make the most immersive um, life game that's ever been made, which is a bit of a jump. But he did it very well. <laughs> he did it very well. And then you meet Chai or Shy or however you now pronounce it. I always did Chai. I've always said Chai. He's a little shit. He's this weird oh. like golem type character who's really fucking good at martial arts. I've never beaten him in the arcade ever. And I was no. determined on the remaster. I was like, this is it. I am 28 something years old. I'm, I'm an old man. I can do this. Kick my ass in two seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, I've seen, again, on YouTube, I have seen that it can be done. You can beat him <clears> in the arcade, but I've never done it either. It's ridiculously hard. Yeah, you got to train or something. And uh, and then at the end of the game, you, you set off to China. And it's just one of the most lovely, immersive stories. And everyone makes jokes about how it is with the voice acting and the way it looks and stuff. But when they did the ports to PS4, and I implore anyone who's been like on the fence about getting this game... It's just magical. It's so good. And as Jesse says, like you just get lost in it and just go into this world of exploration. It was when people say something's ahead of its time, the definition of this is Shemu. Our game till five compadre Nikki has got quite into it, hasn't she? Like in Yeah, I lent her the, the remaster version. Cool. Yeah. So she never played it as a kid, but like she's as an adult, she's really got into it, which is awesome. Yeah, she's always been fascinated by the idea of it. And I know her and Steph did some kind of like um, port versions on an emulator, but it's not the same. So um, yeah, I've lent Nikki the uh, remastered version and I'm pretty sure she's been doing some Twitch stream playthroughs of it. Yeah, she has. She keeps messaging me, asking her to asking me to watch her Twitch stream. But she starts at like 11 at night. And stay. So I'm going to bed. That's bedtime. I know. Yeah. It's like I asked her. Said, "Do you always stream when normal people go to bed?" She was like, "Yeah." <laughs> I have no idea. It's fine. <laughs> but it's great that she's doing it. But we're not there to support them. Fuck them for winning the 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 thing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing my Jesse's news drop because uh, she's going to hate that. Yeah, I recorded it earlier, but um, I haven't actually heard it live. And you're going to put the music under it and stuff. That would be nice. Can oh. we play it again now, just for fun? <laughs> just to really drive the knife home. Yeah. Love it. So that's Shemu 1. That's your, your first pick. Tis. That's your number one. Do you want to know what my number, number one, Oh, let, let's let's dust in some facts about Shemu. Oh, okay. And how it bankrupted the console. Right. So, yeah. So my favorite fact about this game is that somehow Yu Suzuki convinced um, Sega to spend so much on the development of this game 
so much money on on this and the sequel combined i think it actually was but um the amount of money spent on this game meant that every single person in the world who owned a dreamcast would have had to buy two copies of this game just for it to break even yep there was no logical it's the most expensive game ever made for dreamcast the first one cost 47 million to make the second made uh cost 70 million how does that amount of money how do you convince someone like sega to put that amount of money into a game when it's literally it's literally impossible for them to not go bankrupt (laughs) exactly and it ruined them this this is the game that ruined them they they couldn't compete anymore especially with um all of the new consoles coming out, there just wasn't a market for them to kind of compete with the issues that we've spoken about in the past. And they were hemorrhaging money because of the amount that they spent on Shenmue. Yeah. It started, it started development as a Sega Saturn game. Ah, yes, yes. Would not have worked. No, Jesus. And so, uh, yeah, so it originated as a, um, it was going to be a role play sort of real world simulation of Virtua Fighter. Um, the main character in Virtual Fighter was called Akira, and he looks very similar to Ryu in that he's got dark hair and a little plaster on his cheek. And um, so the idea was that you were going to be him, and that was, and then it sort of evolved into its own story after that. Exactly. So, Sorry, am I nicking your facts? I just no, no, this. no. That was a good one. I just wanted to talk about how much it bankrupted them and how funny that is. It is ridiculous. It's it's sad, and the, the fact that. So Shenmue 3 recently came out on the PS4 um, after a very, very long um, crowdfunding process and all this stuff. And that's not even the end of the story. Yu Suzuki's like, yeah, I plan to make um, sort of five or six games. <laughs> and it's like, mate, it's never going to happen. I started this journey when I was 10 years old. Exactly. 20 years We're... later, I'm not even close to being done. He's not, not going to last. Close. He's not going to outlast me. He's so old. So old. I hope he's written it down somewhere at least. Oh, yeah. At just least bullet just, point. Yeah, just stick it on a napkin and whack it in a safe or something. <laughs> just... In the end, it was all a dream. It was all a dream. Yeah, oh, absolute nightmare. So my number one pick, that was Jesse's number one pick, and no shock to anyone, we're going to continue this little journey. My number one pick is Shenmue 2. Shenmue 2! Purely for the continuarity of just being able to talk about both of them continuarity i didn't remember the word (laughs) (laughs) continuarity you mean continuity no i'm gonna stick with continuarity i quite like it actually yeah Yeah. let's go with continuarity if you say something confidently enough it sticks that's how the english language is born (laughs) apparently so shemu 2 picks up he's he's thrown china into the river he boards that boat to china he's gonna avenge his father he's he's paying attention now he's like i'm not surrounded by my friends or family i can focus on the job at hand within five minutes he gets his bag nicked and he's homeless and he's looking for a job yeah in hong kong in and, hong kong um, <laughs> little tight <laughs> fucks up in five minutes <laughs> literally five minutes of getting off the boat and he's like this aware martial arts trainer and this kid steals his backpack with everything you've got like your money your capsule toys everything gone that's the, that's the kicker right so um if you played shenmue one on the dreamcast um you could then transfer your save file to shenmue two which is mind blowing, right? Of the era as well. Like it was like, oh my god! So all everything you've collected, everything you own, um, on Shenmue One will be transferred to Shenmue Two. So you're on the same journey, and it's amazing. And it's like, wow! 
but it all matters for shit because it gets nicked in the first five minutes anyway. <laughs> it's my favourite thing. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of technology, again, wasted money. The amount of technology that must have gone into transferring that save file to a different game. And you just lose it all anyway. Oh, it's it's unreal. The expand like there's a reason why this is the most expensive game made at the time. The expansive nature of what you can do in this is just unbelievable. The size of Hong Kong, like in this game, is ridiculous. Yeah, like there's quarters, there's different areas, there's like four different or three different sections that you end up going through in the game, but each single one is huge. Like, yeah. massive. What is it? It's Kowloon, Hong Kong, and um, where else does he go in, in the end? Oh, uh, at the very end, you're with Shenhua. Um, Guy Lin. Sort of in the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy Lin, the mountains of Guy Lin. And it's just unreal how big this game is. You also meet uh, pretty quickly a character named Joy, who I despise with every fibre of my being. You hate Joy. I, I do find hate her Joy. quite sexy. Although, no, but you hated Joy because of her voice, right? And um, when I originally, um, interesting fact, they because they literally did run out of money, um, and it was at the very end of um, the Dreamcast's life, um, Shenmue 2 is only released in Japanese on the Dreamcast, but they did record um, English dub, which is on a re-release that they included that they put out on the Xbox, which is what you played Shenmue Two on, didn't you? So well, I you originally played it in English. I originally played Shenmue Two with my brother and Tom because this is what we used to play. Like we, he'd come over and on a Friday night, and then we try and complete Shenmue One and Two by the end of the weekend. And that was like yeah. our little challenges that we did. So like, yeah, we blasted through them. And then when I got a bit older, like fifteen, sixteen, I got an original Xbox and I bought Shenmue Two. And played it countless, countless. And uh, yeah, I just remember Joy's voice. Nightmare. So I, yeah, because I always played it in Japanese on the Dreamcast. It, it was all Japanese. I'm just reading the words, right? So it didn't bother me. But yeah, having played it in English now, I can see why Joy's American voice would um, great on you. Yeah, it gets to you. It gets to you. And there's just so many cool characters that you meet. Uh, you get to volunteer at this temple, uh, Moman Temple, and you get to carry these books, which is the most infuriating mini game you've ever played in your life. Where you got to get yeah. the air out of the books from the library to the garden. You've got to carry these stacks. And this is something we haven't mentioned, but QTEs was such a massive thing in Shemu. Quick like, time events. Quick time events, yes, exactly. So QTEs were just like the main bread and butter. And if I close my eyes and mention that word, I can hit a... Yeah, getting, getting panic attacks. Do you remember the bit when you have to go up the, to the top of a building, but it's like an old abandoned building? The so ghost you have to building. Walk along planks? Yeah. Um, and you have to the... do quick time events to not overbalance. So and the ghost time you were, building. You and, me got, you and me got weirdly obsessed with this bit of the game. Fuck. Oh, it was a nightmare. Like, we were just... The stress of this game when you're just balancing on beams and it sounds easy just to do quick time events, but it's not. And you have to do it for so long. And the amount of controllers that Jesse broke over this period, <laughs> like literally flinging them at the walls, smashing them against his head. I I don't even want to count. And then was, the best this, thing this was not this was not an era where you could like quick save either. So you fall off, you're back at the fucking bottom. Yeah, you're done, son. And the best thing is you finish it. And you meet your counterpart, Ren. Like, he's your friend in this game and you're doing all this stuff after you go to one of the things. You get to the top and Ren's there and you're like, Ren, how did you get up here? And he went, I took the elevator. And the only time they've ever animated Ryo's face is in this moment of his absolute despair and hatred. And he wants to just run and jump off the ghost building to his death. Just one more time. 
it's so funny because like you say they didn't they have in the whole game they didn't animate Ryu's face at all he says everything completely deadpan and when Ren says he got the elevator they just they, <laughs> so funny. just this one moment Ryu sort of eye twitches and his mouth sort of curls down and you know exactly how he's feeling because you've been through that journey with him and you're like you fucking dickhead I was like you've just been through the most stressful moment of your life and it was so stressful even the most emotionless man in gaming history shows a bit of emotion oh it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful <laughs> I remember, like, and now every time we, because I, I reckon once every two years or so, you and me will go back yep. and replay Shenmue games, and every time, without fail, one of us will send a picture to the other one of that moment. <laughs> we have so many pictures of that saved, <laughs> different frames throughout the years. Oh, uh, it's it's unbelievable, and <laughs> but the characters are fantastic. Uh, also, like you you get to go to like historic areas like the Kowloon Walden City and there's some really good like fighting stuff in there that you get to do and, so these, and these are all real places by the way yeah right? yeah, yeah. In, and in Shenmue 1 as well it's, it's a real town they're real areas they're not like made up it's really really cool and really mapped well as well when you kind of yeah. look at them uh yeah the, the ghost building is, is in Kowloon um which is which doesn't exist stuff. anymore it doesn't part of history it is. So, yeah, this was like an area in um, China or just outside Hong Kong um, that has been all knocked down now. But because this game's set in the 80s, it was around then. Yeah, exactly. And it was uh, so densely populated. Uh, I'm just There's so much to number two to talk about. I'm just trying to wrap my head around everything to, to kind of fit it in. Can we talk in. about Yu Young quickly? Um, yes. So she she's the lady that you work for when you're carrying the books out, as you say, in the most tedious thing in the world. But again, even though it's tedious and horrible, you end up getting hypnotised by it and... No, for no other game would you put yourself through this misery in your spare time on your one and only life on this planet. But you, you know, do with this one. The real pain of that mini game is if you fuck up, they tell you to come back the next day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like You're if not, you don't they... do it in time, you come back the next day. And when they say come back the next day, it doesn't just fade to black and you wake up the next day. You've got to amuse yourself for another eight <laughs> hours because you're doing that shit in the morning. <laughs> exactly. You just got to walk around the town you don't even fucking know. Just do, like, you can't go to bed. Cramps. Yeah, you just talk to people, and that's you got to do that for like half an hour. <laughs> it's it's too early for bed. I'll tell you when it's too early for bed. <laughs> Sorry, really but, angers uh, me yeah, that But no, it's true. And weirdly, I think it taught us like it teaches kids discipline, right? Yeah. Um, in a weird way. But anyway, Zhu Young, who you're working for doing this, she's a martial arts master, and um, she's got lovely, sexy legs. Um, she's a good-looking lady. But I found out when I was um going through like facts for this game and stuff someone data mined this game and she's got like her own head on the back of her head so if you take off her hair if you're like clever games programmer person and you remove her hair on the character model she's got you know like quirrell in the first harry potter film (laughs) yeah she's got little voldemort head on the back of her head oh man she was like my first ever video game crush don't tell me that yeah mine too but knowing she's got that dirty little secret hiding under her hair (laughs) running your fingers through her hair and (laughs) something bites you ah yeah oh don't touch my dirty secret (laughs) potter But yeah, it's horrible. Do you, I also like the first time you... Because she lets you stay at her apartment because you've got no else to say because you're a dirty hobo because someone stole all your shit. Um, she, Rio kind of insinuates that he thinks that they're going to sleep together and she's like, no, you sleep on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> As if Rio could like ever pull anyone. With his I liked life. his ballsiness of just like, so... And she's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then she's got a little assistant who looks like a cat who yes. um, has a weird crush on you as well. I can't remember her name, but she's like a child. It's weird. She's very underage. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but there's the exploration, and we've mentioned how long the time is in this game and walking around there's so much to see there's the arcades it's just mind-boggling it really is how in-depth this game is you i get a bit fatigued with open world games now this was literally the first big open world game to kind of exist so to get involved in can i ask you um did you put shenbu 2 is your number one because I chose Shenmue 1 or do you actually prefer Shenmue 2 to Shenmue 1? It's uh, it's like picking your favourite child. It really is. Um, but I do love Shenmue 2. I have more memories of Shenmue 2 as a kid. See, I massively prefer Shenmue 1 and I don't know why. I think it's because um, even though it's much... It's still big for a game, but it's much smaller than Shenmue 2. Hmm. Um, but... I like that you get a se- I like the sense of community you get in Shenmue One, which you don't get in Shenmue Two. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot more. I wouldn't say that because everyone's kind of got their own um, roles and stuff, and everyone's on their own time frame. Like you can build a little community. I got really in deep with the gamblers down by the docks. Like I was there every day. I knew them all by name. They're good lads. Good lads down there. Uh, yeah, the, the the secret gambling area spent so much money because you literally yeah. you work at the docks in number two same as number one but this time you're lifting crates with this guy left oh, this- left yeah. right, <laughs> yeah. right, left, right. oh you idiot <laughs> i um, can't remember his name but he, he refers to himself in the third person like let's just say his name's baloo it's not but let's say it is and like he sort of so you go oh you were right when baloo say you were right <laughs> <laughs> And he'd give me my paycheck at the end of the day, then I go up the stairs and spend it in the gambling halls. <laughs> yeah, straight away. Terrible adventure, my dad. And then I'd go back to because you stay at these apartments and the guy's like, Your money's due, and I'm like, I haven't got any. <laughs> <laughs> I just played competitive darts with this weird dude that looked like Freddie Mercury who was in the cafe. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, for people who never played this game, they're like, What the fuck did these guys play? <laughs> But Shenmue 1 as well, to argue with you a bit, um, also, even though it's smaller, it's more detailed. Like, I was talking about how you can open every drawer and cupboard in Shenmue 1, and you can't do that in Shenmue 2. I think because it's so vast, you can go to so many places, they actually take that element away a little bit. They do, they do. I I think for me, like, the reason Shenmue 2 always sticks out, um, personally, is because the progression's a lot better. Like, Shenmue 1 is that very... you, you. hit the nail on the head when you said it was a point and click type of game. Yeah. And those can get really frustrating. There's a bit where you've got a, I think you're finding the sailors in Shenmue 1 and it's, they're at a bar, but this bar is somewhere that's not on your usual walking route. It's down an alley that you never go down. And then down these, and it's just like a ball lake to find them um, at that point. Where Shenmue 2, I just feel like progresses quite nicely. If you pay attention, you can get to all the areas quite easily. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Maybe, yeah, maybe Shenmue 2 is um, more accessible to people nowadays. I don't think if people play Shenmue 1 now, um, having not played it as kids, just going in cold, it hasn't aged well at all. If you haven't got that nostalgic element to it, it's awful. Yeah, I think like we could probably play it without having any dialogue. Just go from point A to point B. Yeah, yeah, because we already know the story. So we're not going through the frustration that we know the areas. So we know where that weird alley is. We know where the tattoo parlor is, which is the most obscure fucking flat, like just in the corner (laughs) when you have to go find that. 
like we know where all that is now because it's ingrained in our brains yeah exactly um and then you get uh nearer to the end of shemu 2 and you go on a little nice little boat ride and you start to head to the Bailu village which is what zoo kind of advised where you go because that's where landy was last seen heading and then you start to head to gulin at no gulin sorry and you meet a girl named shenwa and she dies in a river and you try and rescue shit and she's weird how do you ever feel about shenwa well, the thing about Shenhua is that she is on the branding of all the food and drink you've been buying throughout the entire <laughs> game. <laughs> and, 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 and Rio just meets her and he's like, nice to meet you. He's not even remotely weirded out by the fact that her imagery has been all over everything he's been consuming. Yeah, so they kind of tease Shenhua as this kind of uh, almost like a mystical element to her. And yeah, then... you have a couple of dreams about her as well, don't you? Yeah. Early in the game. Exactly. So, um, yeah, because they kind of hint that she's got these magical powers with her. And it's like, this is such a, a jump from where we were before, because all you're really doing up until this point is searching for the guy who killed your dad. And you've got a mirror and you're trying to find the other mirror. And somehow yeah. that interconnects and makes sense. So, and then you get to her home and then there's a, a tree that's called the Shemu tree which uh, is Chinese for the sedge tree. Interesting. There you go. But that's quite fun, though. That um, So how much game have you played at the point where you find the Shenmue tree? You've played all of Shenmue 1, which is probably uh, probably 20 to 30 hours of gameplay, do you yep. reckon? Then um, Shenmue 2 is probably 40 to 50, maybe even more, 50 to 60 hours of gameplay. Um, and that's if you're not exploring everything you could possibly explore. So you're about 100 hours of gameplay in before you even find out why the fucking game is called Shenmue in the first place. Yeah, and it relates to her name where it means flower of the Shenmue tree. Yeah. So that's what Shenwa means. And then you go into a quarry, you go into this nice little cave, find a sword, put that mirror together, and then the game ends for the next 15 years of your life. Yep. Painful was painful and i still haven't finished enemy three after all this time of Neither, waiting see like this is I the frustration like me and jesse when we talked about our four pillars of friendship and dreamcast being one of them like dreamcast is probably a subset of that shemu is the actual pillar holding it together yeah like i've, I've never met anyone and I, I i bring it up daily i'm looking for a new friend <laughs> uh, like, yeah i heard of shemu and they're like no, not really. But like you are the only person I've ever known who knows as much about it, has played it as much as me, and is ab- obsessed with it as I am. Yeah, and it's not like we discovered this together either. No, like completely we, we separately. didn't become friends till we were like thirteen, right? So we'd already played um, all this stuff, like ten to twelve years old. Yeah, and for some reason, I found you who knows about Shemu and and vice versa, and we've been desperately clawing we both put money into the kickstarter we put a lot of money into that kickstarter um <laughs> it's embarrassing how much money we put into that kickstarter <laughs> Just... i don't even want to i don't even want to say out loud how much money we put into that kickstarter <laughs> <laughs> for this game and then it's just like i don't know what it is like it it is good it's the same pacing it's the same style it's all of this stuff but i'm the same as you i've i've not gone past bailu village yet and I think it's because, as we were touching on earlier, it is, it's a game, like, if you want the next Shenmue game, it's been made perfectly, but that's almost to its detriment because we're now playing this dated game, but without the nostalgia because it's all new. Yeah. So 
the reason we can get through Shenmue 1 and 2 nowadays is because it gives us the warm and fuzzies from when we were kids. But Shenmue 3 isn't giving us that because it's a brand new storyline. Yeah. But with yeah. the same funky gameplay. But I, I, I do want to get through it, though, because I feel like they've cleaned up a bit the audio and they've cleaned up the story a little bit. Like, it's still very clunky audio and, and speech. It just it feels everything feels a bit smoother and it's a bit odd. But uh, I am determined to finish it. And while we're in lockdown, we're kind of in the perfect situation to do it. But again, Shemu Free, I'm meant to be avenging my father. I'm finally out of that cave after 15 fucking years. What have I done? I've gone fishing and I chop logs. <laughs> Can't stop chopping logs. Uh, I've karate chopped a um, pole in the ground a few times as well. It's all I care about. Yeah. yeah, you know what? As well, something that again, this is probably boring people listening now, unless they're mad into Shenmue. But um, that as they added in in Shenmue three that you have to eat to keep your energy up. Yeah, and that was an error. That was a massive error, man. They shouldn't have included that. Yeah, just because like that's the modern trend of video games doesn't mean you have to go that way. No, doesn't doesn't work. Big thumbs down for that. Yeah, that's probably one of the worst features they included. But everything else, they've kind of nailed. Yeah, I agree. It's it just it's just the lack of nostalgia that obviously they they can't help that. Let's make a promise. Let's let's make a promise to finish Shenmue free. Shall we? All right, let's do it. Um, high five, Shenmue high five. Nice. Yeah. So those are the best Shem Dreamcast games of all time. <laughs> Shenmue. I love Shenmue. Um, I could talk for hours on Shenmue, like literally could do a whole podcast on it. Yeah, me too. Let's do it. <laughs> Stay tuned for part two. No, we could, um, do, we could do a Shenmue special one day. Oh, gladly, gladly. And, you know, a lot of the games that we've spoken about aren't groundbreaking for you to be like, oh, I've never heard of that classic before. If if you know Dreamcast and you know what the games are, you you know of these games and how good they are. But I implore you, if you've not played them, give it a go. Like, there's some good stuff. You can get the Shemu games on PS4 now. Uh, really cheap, because it's been out for a while, the HD remasters. Not HD remasters. The, we've put it on a PS4 disc for you. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Basically, it? Yeah. yeah. But play them. Just honestly give it a try. Pick it up. Send us a message. I'll buy it for you. I want everyone to play it. I know. I, I literally bought it for Secret Santa. Um, I bought it for someone at work. <laughs> <laughs> who's shown no interest in the game, the game whatsoever. <laughs> I just forced it on him. Exactly, and that's what we're offering the Cocktail 5 universe now. If you listen this long, send us a message, we'll get you the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to regret that. I know. Oh, well, God. After, I'm a billionaire after all my Animal Crossing turnip sales. I can buy anyone anything. In in bow money. What? In, in bow money. I could, there must be a way to transfer it to real money. Yeah, it's like Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's how it works. But uh, that was our top five Dreamcast games. Thank you very much for listening. Game Till Five, that's how you do it. That's how you do it, Game Till Five. Dicked them, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Take examples. Mate, that was maniacal. That was a maniacal (laughs) hour and a half. (laughs) I don't know. We only calmed down when we talked about Shemu. That was like a safe space. Yeah, it was. So that's. But that's what we were saying, right? So Shenmue is hypnotic and it chills you out and it's meditative. And as soon as we started talking about it, we we became a bit more chilled. <laughs> and now and we're nice. back to where we were. Yeah, now it's done. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot rush Shenmue and that's the beauty of it. You can't. Uh, so, Nikki, give back my game. I want to play it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got the hankerings again. I won't play free. I'll play through one and two again with the promise of building up to free. It will never happen. Yes. No. 
Lovely. We'll, just, we'll, we'll be eternally stuck in the Shenmue 1 and 2 vortex. It's like Groundhog Day. Forever and ever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to go order a Dreamcast now, so thank you for that. And... I'm so glad you're going to do that, genuinely. That uh, makes me really happy. I'm going to regret it tomorrow morning, but I'm going to love nah. it. Nah, I'll, help, I'll, 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 I'll help you find a good one. Cheers, buddy. And thank you for everyone who took the time to listen to this. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. This is, you know, we play around with these new structures every week. It's like one topic to the next. We're experts on everything, aren't we, Jesse? We're we know- so good. Know it all. <laughs> so if you liked it, please uh, subscribe, like, give the five star ratings. Jesse, where can they go if they want to hear old episodes and find our socials? Everything is at gotto5.com beautiful so we'll be back in two weeks time with a brand new episode i've got a new series debuting next week jesse's probably got some other stuff going on as I'm much as we- yeah proud of you mate i can't wait to edit <laughs> it for you i like you when you're proud of me <laughs> uh even though this is a war and we will not forgive you for beating us in the uh top five studio ghibli go listen to game till five as well support what they're doing they are good gals and we appreciate them very much. But until next time, good girls. My name is Max. His name is Jesse. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back soon. Goodbye and good night. Do you know any place where sailors hang out? <laughs>